streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, we uh, we are at it again, another podcast this week, and a little bit of Nebraska team news. Elante Brown away from the team. Hunter Anthony has left the program. Uh, a couple guys on offense that played for Nebraska in backup roles last year. Let's just jump right into this. I think the bigger of the of the news, and feel free to correct me if you disagree, is is about Alante Brown and Nebraska's continuing uh, struggles to just develop high school wide receivers uh, in this program. No Alante Brown, or at least for now, no Alante Brown. How big of a deal, Brian Christopherson? This is a guy that I know you've been pretty high on. Um, you know, you were high on last year, and and I think you were hoping uh, could have a good offseason with the change with the coaching staff and could maybe evolve a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've been high on the possibilities of him. I would have to say to this point, um, if you're just going by what's on his resume, um, you know, I don't want to act like you're losing one of your top three or four players off the roster or anything. I do think the thing you can appreciate about Alante while he was here, and by the way, I do think this is a deal where we shouldn't close the book completely. That's sort of what I've gathered on this one. So, I, I mean, it's possible. Um I think a return could happen. I don't know that that will, of course, but I think we just shouldn't shut the book completely. Um, but I like that he was a, a high-end special teams guy. Uh, that was a really important thing to him. And, um, you know, as far as receiver, though, they've got like 15, 16 guys in that room now, it seems like. And so um, I'm hopeful, even if he's not part of the mix, that they can find the right answers there. Brunts, I'm going to throw Hunter Anthony at you. What are your thoughts there? This was a guy that Eric Shenander went out and got for Nebraska last December, um, you know, pretty early in the process, even before I think they had an offensive line coach. And maybe that will explain a little bit why the the rumblings of how Anthony never really kind of fit for, for Donovan Rayola sort of came together. That all happened before he got here. Uh, what What are your thoughts, Hunter Anthony, and what does that mean for the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe with the new coaching staff, new set of eyes, um, you know, maybe that looks a little bit different there. But, I mean, it kind of seems to me like he was always just going to be a, a depth piece. Um, you know, primarily when he played last year, it was kind of as a third tight end or when they, you know, had they had a very specific package on offense where they were using him. And, you know, I, I think that was probably where things are headed. I mean, you had Nebraska – very actively searching in the portal for more offensive line depth. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of the puzzle he was going to be anyways. So, um, you know, I, I think they're probably still, even, you know, with Hunter Anthony on the roster, they were probably alignment or two short for where they needed to be numbers wise. And I mean, I, I think, I think this just kind of confirms what I had suspected was that I think in that second portal window uh in, in the spring i think nebraska is going to go shopping for offensive linemen that can help them right away i'm guessing there's probably going to be a number of more newcomers 
Yeah. Yeah. More. I I think I think there's a couple spots where you still need maybe an instant impact guy. And I, I would not uh I would not say that offensive lineman is not on that list. I, I think that's I tr- a place where you need some help. I trust brunts too, dressed like that. I mean, if I got an airplane and saw a guy with a suit coat over a t-shirt with a baseball hat, I would think that guy has a several million dollars at least. So <laughs> this guy, this guy is obviously running a fledgling startup and sits at home at night and keeps oh, going a baseball game. Yes, that's me. No, so so I trust the I trust his take on the O lineman is what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm getting. I at. love <laughs> to imagine Brunts as a founder of a startup now. I mean, it would be full on, it's just full on Silicon Valley. Uh, if you guys have ever watched that show, uh, no, you haven't. We've never watched any of the same thing. That's what I learn all the time. Cheers, uh, people. We, we have, it was cheers. a show people watch. It was on HBO. Uh, they enjoyed it. It's about a startup and a bunch of knuckleheads. I feel like Brunt's going to fit in there. Yeah. Um, I, I just, just now transition uh, off of that. Just to clarify, I was caught off guard a little bit by the podcast start time. So you got a suit coat and an A's hat. Um, but no, I, 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 li- think, I like the effort. I, I think that's probably one, one place where you'll see Nebraska at least kind of see what's out there. I, I think, I think that's uh, not going to be, a surprise if they they get involved with some guys there is there a position where you expect a lot more attrition moving forward <clears throat> defensive back yeah, just too many it's it's yeah i mean there's a lot of guys and i think that there's a lot of guys that you're kind of looking at the depth chart and i don't know necessarily that you absolutely have to have those guys to help you on special teams too. So I, I just think when you kind of look at numbers, there's just a glut of defensive backs right now. Um, and especially, I mean, now that you've got Tommy Hill back over on that side of the ball again, um, that's that's another number over there. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, if, if you're a third string cornerback right now for Nebraska I think you probably got to be looking pretty hard at what your options are when when it gets to the end of the spring yeah I think that's fair I mean I I immediately like everybody you think or I think quarterback running back I mean they just have so many bodies in those rooms and and obviously there's only really one starter at quarterback and at running back maybe they rotate but um, you know, it, it'll be interesting what a guy like Gabe Irvin is, for example, uh, for this staff and and where things can kind of go because he's kind of had almost two wasted years of his career. I mean, he played a little bit uh, in 2021 and then he saw a little time in 2022, but we, we really don't know what to make of Gabe Irvin at this point. So that's sort of a guy that I think of kind of a big spring for him. Yeah, I- I would say that you hit on the main ones. Wide receiver, too, I think, you know, you, you could still see some movement or, or guys who, after they go through the spring, maybe maybe they're not feeling like they're uh, going to be on the two deep or it's just not their cup of tea. Uh, but really, I think it's going to be spread out all over the place on this roster uh, with departures here and there. And that's why, um, you know, the Alante Hunter Anthony stuff is interesting and we'll document it as it goes. But I'm sort I, honestly in this day and age with stuff like that, I'm sort of like, yeah, OK, you know, unless it's like, um, 
I don't know, like when it was like Wandale Robinson the one time, you're like, that's a big stinking deal. But um, a lot of other ones, it's it's just going to be kind of a, a, a ripple effect. I think I, I don't think it's going to be like a huge, a huge um, wave or monsoon or anything when some of this news comes out. Well, let's uh, let's transition over to the other thing that's kind of been going on this week. We talked about Dylan Rayola and the crystal ball earlier uh, this week in terms of the podcast. But with that, we mentioned that there, you know, is a, a possibility of more recruits um, being interested in Nebraska if they're able to land somebody like that. Well, they haven't landed Dylan Rayola yet, but they are building quite the visit weekend around when he's expected to be on campus. I don't know that it's officially been called a junior day yet, uh, but Nebraska sure looks like they're going to have quite a bit of talent on campus at the end of March. BC has done an excellent job running down a bunch of these guys. Brian, what have you sort of learned so far about what that weekend looks like and who's a name or two that you're intrigued uh, to, to kind of see here on campus? Yeah, there's a – there's a there's a pretty interesting crew besides Ryola. I think what first off, what kind of jumps out is a couple of guys even mentioned the Ryola factor. And I think they are there's there's some level of intrigue and in being kind of associated with it. Um, you know, I think uh, the running back, Peyton Lewis, is kind of an interesting guy, not talked about as much, but he's a speed, I mean, he's got really impressive track numbers. Um, so he's that multi-sports guy. This this staff loves. It proves that he can do it with his uh, with the data on the track. Um, he told us earlier this week he has a very busy March. Uh, he's out of Salem, Virginia, but he's planning on being here on the 24th. I think he's flying in. That's the plan as of now. Of course, this is all fluid, but you know we're talking about things like five or six weeks down the line. So I always try to make that clear because. Um, we're writing about some of this stuff or in this, in our little bubble, sometimes it gets acted like this stuff's a week away. I mean, these guys are high school kids who could flip their plans and stuff like that. But I think Peyton Lewis is a pretty interesting back and, and EJ Barthel's done a nice job on him. Uh, Grant Bricks is a good uh, O-lineman prospect um, out of Iowa who's like up to 20 offers now. And I think just got one from Ole Miss the other day. Uh, but he's he's the uh, prospect that Matt Rule went and watched wrestle in late January, and he's he sensed a good connection with the Huskers. And you know, th there's some guys Nebraska is going to have to really uh, battle some top schools for uh, to win. So that you, you need to really set a foundation with this weekend. Like uh, this is what we're about. Look at what's going to be happening over here. Some of these guys have been on campus, but this will be their first time in some cases to really, I think, get quality minutes with the coaches sort of face to face, you know, um, it, without it being a camp setting or that sort of thing. So I think it can be very useful. Brunt, we don't know quite yet because there hasn't been an event like this um, from this staff, but we've seen it from previous staffs. You try to have kind of a, a big gathering. What, what would be expectations in terms of, you know, do you think this is just a normal junior day? Uh, built around a spring practice. What do you think this could sort of look like as a visit weekend for the people that might be there for a day or two? Yeah, it's it's interesting, um, you know, the timing of it. You know, I, I know that, the, that Matt Rule's staff had talked about with recruits wanting them to be able to come in and see a practice and see how things are run and how they, how they do things. Um, 
you know, I, I think the staff is pretty good at, you know, generating connection. And I think that when you have highly rated recruits and, and you know, elite recruits around one another, I think it kind of adds to the buzz of an event. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, guys are looking around and, you know, you've got, you know, the, the number one quarterback in the country over here, you've got another five-star defensive lineman over here. Um, you know, another guy over here that's got 20 offers. I mean, it, it, it kind of, I think shows recruits that the type of players that Nebraska is really recruiting right now. And that helps. Um, the timing of things though, I mean, you're getting guys on campus in March, you could potentially have them back on campus a couple months later as official visitors. And I think that that's the power of an event like this is you, you get a chance to kind of roll out, roll out the first red carpet, make an impression with guys and, and try and get them back on campus again when a lot of these guys are going to be taking official visits in the summer. So th- there's a lot of ground to be made up. And, you know, I, I think the thing that's stood out to me and, and maybe kind of impressed me the most is anytime you have a new coaching staff come in, it always feels like there's like a catch up period for that next class where you've got to really, you know, beat the bushes, build relationships fast. You're, you're probably a year behind in a lot of cases with some of these guys. And I think that the staff has done a good job of kind of closing that time gap. And, and you're seeing it based on the, the types of guys that, you know, are, are already saying that they're going to come in and check things out. So that's notable. I think if you're a Nebraska fan too, you can, you, you should definitely appreciate the fact that in a short amount of time, you know, they added so many, you know, almost 40 new players, but also have done a pretty good job of, uh, you know, kind of laying the groundwork for that 24 and 25 class too. Before we switch topics here to a different sport, uh, Carter Nelson picked up an offer from Alabama on Thursday night. Brunts, can you think of another in-state kid to have been offered by Alabama? I don't think Avante Dickerson ever was. I don't think Nick Henrich ever was. Um, you know, Malachi Coleman didn't hold the the Alabama offer. Um, I don't. He's not an in-state kid, but I mean, right across the river, did Fedoni ever have one? I don't think so. I feel like LSU was his big uh, his big offer from the SEC. So this is this is pretty wild to me that Alabama found Ainsworth. They found Carter Nelson. He's a freak athlete. I think he's got a ways to go as a football player, but from an athletic standpoint, he is really really talented um and he's a guy that could play multiple different positions i think everybody's sort of looking at tight end that seems to be the easiest thing we've talked about on this podcast before nebraska as a state seems to be producing tight ends uh pretty frequently right now you seem to see one around every corner uh almost these days so carter nelson will be part of that alabama though coming in that's a different thing and and certainly uh shows you that this state is wide open for business. I mean, there are no hidden gems to be found. When when Nick Saban knows about Ainsworth, Nebraska, that tells me everything I need to know about where recruiting is in 2023. What are your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, it's uh, it's wild, and I think you nailed it. It it, it shows you that there's there's nothing hidden under a rock anymore with recruiting. I think we were that was kind of being established, but sometimes you, you get hit over the head with one like this and you're like, Oh, yep, that's definitely true. Um, I was also, I wanted to circle back real quick. 
Um, oh, sorry. Not to not not to interrupt the the Carter Nelson discussion, but I didn't want to bury the lead because I I we didn't even name him. I mean, Williams I, Bruns talked about the defensive lineman, but you have the number. I think it's amazing that Nebraska could have the number three player and the number one player on campus on the same weekend in the recruiting class with Williams and Wanari uh, out of Lee Summit North and his teammate, twenty-five wide receiver Isaiah Mosey. Mosey. Um, they both confirm they're coming. And sometimes you got to stop yourself for a second and be like, that's, that's nuts. It's a, it, it, this kind of connects to Alabama going in Ainsworth. I mean, there's certain things you're just gotta, you gotta like appreciate it and uh, take a moment and be like that. That's not something you see every day. Nebraska's got the top two, three recruits that should be here at the same time. You got Alabama and Ainsworth. Uh, this is going, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be, when you put it all together, I think an amazing cycle. Like it's, it's why people should subscribe, and I'll do a little selling. They should they should follow this uh, minute by minute, week by week, because I think it's going to be one of the more interesting recruiting classes we've ever seen. Not just for what Nebraska is doing, but for Nebraska trying to fight for guys like Isaiah McMorris, you know, or like Bellevue West, like who's other, you know, he's got a full bit, uh, visit plan through March and April set up. And uh, Nebraska is going to have to battle Oklahoma's and schools like that for him. And uh, it's just it's just really cool from a lot of different angles when you really look at it at this class and what's going to be happening. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And as as we said, I mean, Carter Nelson uh, isn't a given. I mean, for Nebraska, yeah. I think there's other programs besides Alabama, too, that have the ability to, to come in and pull a kid like that away and. We just saw, I mean, Ben Bramer chose to go play tight end somewhere else. I do think tight end, It for me, it's a little bit of a, they're going to have to kind of prove it because when he last was coaching college football, Matt Rule didn't really have an offense that utilized the tight end a ton in terms of the passing game. So there could be a lot of fair question about that. Now with Eric Gilbert and Thomas Fedoni, uh, wherever their health is at and everything else, I mean, they have some interesting options for 2023 to counter that narrative. Anything we else we want to get to recruiting wise before we move on here? I'd ask look- one question. Uh, go ahead, Browns. I was just looking through uh, old Alabama offers. Fedoni did have one, but I have I'm back to 2013 and have not seen a wow. Nebraska, Nebraska offer from Alabama yet. Yeah. Wow. I was just going to simply ask, which guy do you who do you think is going to raise their hand next? It could lead to a, a junior day, March 24th, 5th type question, because my answer would, would be there. So who do I think is going to commit? Yeah. I mean, I, and so what's fascinating here is that they haven't had anybody yet in this 2024 yeah. class. So um, I don't think it's going to be anyone that conventionally you think, okay, it's leading up to this moment. It's probably going to be some random kid in Texas, like, I mean, it, it just feels like Evan Cooper is going to pull another Bryce Turner moment out of his hat mm-hmm. where he's just texting some kid in class and he's like, you ready to commit? And the kid says, yep. And, you know, I, like, I feel like every time I think there's a, a plan kind of thing, like that's sort of what happens. You know, you get a random Willie Hampton thrown in there in your March. So um, I'm going to take the field because I don't have an approximate name where I'm convinced that's going to be the guy that becomes the first person in the class. What about you? Uh, I, Ian Flint is, is interesting. Um, that's how he's, he, he's coming back, uh, for the second time, uh, that weekend. I mean, the, the family flies a Nebraska flag on, on their house. Mom and dad are alums. 
uh, sisters here throwing. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think if things line up well there, I, I think that would be the the way I would go. But do you think um, there'll be no commitment before March 26? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's wow. where it's headed. All right. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go opposite of that. I like, I like that we have some disagreement. That's what you're supposed to do on these things. Um, Embrace debate. Gonna, yeah, exactly. I was going to say Flint too, uh, for the, for the reasons Brunt said, it just feels like that one's brewing, but maybe, maybe someone's going to pop before that. And uh, Mario Buford's also going to be in town Didn't mention him, but you know, Marquis brother and that that's one to watch too. I, I think that one could carry on a little longer, but Flint would be my pick. Embrace debate, and he likes dissension before he quietly just agrees with Brunson's whole spiel. Mm-hmm. Well, he stole my answer. <laughs> oh, oh, All right, well, we'll give you the entirety to talk Nebraska basketball when we come back. We are back, and as promised, this is where Brian Christopherson will tell us about Nebraska basketball coming off of a huge win against Rutgers and having previously beat Wisconsin at home. All of it sets the stage for a very big matchup with Maryland on Sunday, the de facto Saturday for the government workers out there that won't have to turn around and go uh, to work on President's Day on Monday. And then a a week break before Minnesota comes to town in a game Nebraska absolutely has to win. BC, where are things sitting with the, uh, the Husker Hoopers? Kind of fun. I mean, that's that's where it's at. The the last couple of weeks have been sort of a joy. Uh, there's, I mean, there's the Casey sidebar, which is just uh, something that puts a smile on your face, the way he plays the game and the fact that he just keeps putting up 20-plus point games. But that would be sort of like, yeah, that's nice if, if they had, like, won one out of four, you know. But the fact that they've put a little sprint together – and now sit 13 and 14 overall with three home games in a row, you kind of look at it and say, okay, if they could get Maryland, if they could knock off Maryland on Sunday, who, by the way, just just had a big win um, over Purdue. So, I mean, Mar- Maryland's like, I think, nine and six in the league now. So that's going to be a tough game. But if Nebraska wins that, we're talking about a 500 team. And I think you have to open your mind to something I was not even considering two weeks ago is that a postseason possibility of some sort is not out the window. There's still some heavy lifting to do there, but this would be the type of win on Sunday that I think really gets you talking about that because then you look at it and they're like, okay, Minnesota the next Saturday, and you can't take that for granted, but Minnesota's at the bottom of the barrel in this league right now. Uh, Michigan State at home is going to be a tough one, and then at Iowa to finish. Uh, but you win Sunday and there's a very real chance they would be favored to be 15 and 14, um, you know, considering they could beat Minnesota going into the last couple of games. And I mean, I, three weeks ago, what do you guys thought this could be a team that could be have a winning record? Possibly. No, I don't think so. So that's what's been something. Yeah, I mean, if they go three and one down the stretch, they assure a uh a non-losing season essentially unless they were to get into the nit um they assure a non-losing regular season i suppose uh because if you lose in the big 10 tournament in the first round i think they'd be 16 and 16 at that point if my math is yeah they would be um so i think that in itself is a giant win 
I mean, I, I've said this, you know, before the season, the barometer I've used for Fred Hoiberg every year is I'd like to see Nebraska not play on that first Wednesday in the conference tournament. And the difficulty, as you look at the Big Ten this year, it is such a pileup. It's very difficult for Nebraska, who's having a nice year, to get out of that first day because outside of Minnesota and essentially Purdue, who just lost to Maryland, everyone else is sort of bunched in that middle of like five to nine wins. Right, Brian? Like yeah, it's it, a mess in there. It could be tricky, even if they win like two out of the last four even if they won three out of the last four, I don't know that they'd get it out. It doesn't of the get last them out. Day. No, I don't yeah. think it would. Um, but yeah, Wisconsin and Penn State sort of both won during the mid- middle of the week, which uh, kind of kept Nebraska from gaining there. You know what, though? I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like if they play that first day with the, what their situation is, if you can draw an Ohio State or Minnesota, and I'm not taking wins for granted, but you have a real fighting shot there. And it gives you one more chance to add a, a W um, to to your uh, resume. Um, so I don't I don't know uh, like what where they would be thought of on like the NIT or whatever postseason bubble at this point. But winning Sunday is definitely what could make it interesting. And I think the crowd is going to be lively. And they just got to keep playing like they are on the offensive end. That's been the thing. They they've got some rhythm on offense of late. They've they're moving the ball well and they're sharing it. Guys, different guys are stepping up. Like Sam Hoiberg pops in when he asks you for a big bucket. Um, and so they found three or four different guys who can make a play when they need to, which is sort of out of nowhere from what you would have thought again three weeks ago. Uh, here's a random one for you, Brunts. Would you support Nebraska playing in the CBI just to have postseason basketball? Or is it NIT or bust in your mind? Uh, I think it depends how the how the last few games play out. Like, if they kind of limp into the end of the regular season, like, I don't – because, I mean, it's essentially a buy tournament, right? You'd be paying like – Yeah, let's say they're 16 and 16. They're 100% 500. I, I think they would be an NI, a, a strong NIT candidate at 16 and 16. I mean, when you look at the the way that their schedule's gone, where they played like 13, 14 quad one games, something like They've that. They've played a ton of quad one. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're kind of selecting them on a curve there, but I don't know. I mean, it, the CBI doesn't really – doesn't get the juices going as a fan, I don't think, but – I mean, it's been a long time since you've had postseason basketball around Nebraska. I mean, it's uh, – I would say pay it and, and go. But do you – would you – is is the CBI somehow beneath the Big Ten? Like, are we – I think Iowa is the only team to have played in it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, there, there's – there's part of me that thinks like, okay, let's just let's just go into the off season, but it just depends. I mean, if they're playing well and they get left out of the NIT, I'd say do it. If if you're limping in, you lose the first day in the tournament, just uh, pack it up and start combing the portal for next year. All right. At this yeah. time next week, we'll be able to d- dissect some Nebraska baseball as Michael Brunts will be following along over the weekend they have four games this weekend is that right Brunts? yep four in san diego which is the double header day 
they're they're playing Friday through Monday, actually. So oh, okay, just a, a game a day. Well, that's good. That's yep. nice. You won't have to sit by a radio for sixteen hours straight. Yeah, that's uh, those are hard days. <laughs> those are really hard days. But uh, uh, the the, the WCC network exists, and and I and I'm told it's free. So we'll we'll find out right. tonight at eight o'clock if that's true or not. Where do you think that camera is going to be positioned? Do you think you'll get all of the batter in in the shot? You, it's the it's like the all twenty two shot in football. You're getting all nine. You're getting all nine fielders. <laughs> uh, they have it perched on some hill about a two blocks away from. Uh, well, the, the stadium. That stadium actually, the press box is pretty high up, anyways, and it kind of sits down in a bowl. So it, it might be one of those situations where you get all nine fielders, and then you can't see where the balls hit, but just a little bit of movement shows you where it might have gone. So, so it's it's in between watching and a game tracker that gives you where the ball hits, and you watch the fielders move on the the animation. Yeah. It's better than like the 1920s when they would have somebody like simulating the crack of the bat on, on the radio and doing that thing. So okay. we'll take right. what we can get. It's just as long it's as baseball. the as long as the play-by-play guy for the WCC shows up on time, which has been an issue in past Big Ten Plus <laughs> broadcasts. <laughs> guy rolled in. Guy rolled in in like the third inning, and he'd obviously been out late the night before. So incredible. Yep. Anything you want to uh, to say to finish up, BC? No, I I, I think that was uh, that's a good ending with the guy showing up late. <laughs> he was tired, man. He was tired. <laughs> we never show up late at Husker twenty four seven. We're always on time, and so is the news. You can check out everything at Husker twenty four seven dot com. Plenty of recruiting coverage going on right now. Some basketball over the weekend. Baseball. We'll have all of that and more at Husker 24-7, so be sure to check that out. We'll be back with some more podcasts next week. For Michael Brunson, Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll catch you next time.